We are home when we're together I am home when I'm with you That's a feeling that you just can't fake When you know the truth I'm so glad you found this podcast. It's called Hearing as in Being Here Now. Yes, that was me singing. I'm a singer-songwriter, and you can find my music everywhere digitally, Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you can find digital music, you'll find me. You can also find my music on amyloftus.com. And on amyloftus.com is a tab called Portal. So under portal, just click on that and you'll find lots of information on this podcast and another one that I did called Something Better. There are free downloads, there are videos, book recommendations, information on my coaching practice. There's lots to find there. So just go to amyloftus.com forward slash portal. I love hearing from you and I write back. My email is amy at amyloftus.com. I'm also on Telegram under Amy Loftus Projects. And I'm on Instagram at I am Amy Loftus. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it. This is a grassroots passion project and your help means the world. Thank you for listening and hearing with me. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to hearing. This is Amy Loftus and I'm on the line with Lee Dundas, a human rights attorney and abolitionist dedicated to preserving basic freedoms I think of her as a walking, purifying fire of energy. I've been had the privilege of meeting her last summer in Utah, and I've, I, I really encourage listeners to listen to interviews with Lee, especially on the work that she's done to end child slavery and human trafficking all over the world. I, I don't want to take up too much of her time, so I don't want to read the whole bio, but you can find it on America's Frontline Doctors and in a lot of other places. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lee. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. I love your voice, too. You sound like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because I'm not feeling like I look like a teenager anymore. So at least if I can fool people over the phone, I suppose that's, you know, feather in my cap, right? <laughs> Young and full of vitality, your voice. That's, that's how uh, I hear it. Yeah, so, well, you know, it, it, it used to be young and full of vitality, but I do so much screaming on bullhorns now that um, you can tell when I've been on a bullhorn because the next day my husband's like, ooh, you got the sexy Kim Carnes working lung cancer pack of cigarettes a day voice on. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable. And thank you for the for the bullhorns. I mean, first of all, I just want to say thank you for November 8th to 11th and how much that changed. So much legislation is moving through. And that was incredible. It was just incredible. It was a resounding success, and I knew it was going to be. Um, and then, you know, the, the problem is, you know, mainstream media forms and informs a lot of people's views and opinions. So when they don't cover something, people take a loss on it or they think it didn't happen because they didn't see it on on mainstream media. Um, but this was and, – and it's also something that – 
you know, it was a supply chain move. So essentially what happened is the blue collar workers, uh, as I like to say, the people who make our products and who move our products, um, they decided they weren't down with Biden's vaccine mandate, which was really more of a press release. But, you know, if you can fool all the people all the time, it kind of doesn't matter whether you have the law on your side. So he issues a press release. It's not even an executive order. He asked OSHA to do his bidding and tell any employer with more than 100 folks that they're going to have to get their, their their little peeps vaccinated or hit the road, Jack. And all of these employees at various big companies, blue-collar employees, a lot of them initially, started burning up my phone line. And they were like, hey, we want to sue. We want to bring a lawsuit. Hey, hey, get us a lawyer. Um, but then they also started, you know, part B of that sentence was, and we're over it. You know, we've worked at our company for 10, 20, 30, 40, 45 years in some cases. We're a month away from retirement or a year away from retirement. Um, that's the only reason we stayed at this blue collar job is for our pension, for our retirement plans, whatever. And uh, and if they think they're going to squeeze us out, they got another thing coming. This is a for profit business we work for and we will boycott. We'll go on strike. And so the 18th or 19th call I took like this in one day I, I suddenly realized that great minds were running in the same direction, and I was just sort of the clearinghouse, if you will, that gave them a microphone. I told all these guys, I said, look, if you're, if the nurses want to strike and the doctors want to strike and the teachers want to strike and the truckers want to strike and all the blue-collar guys want to strike, telecom wants to strike, you all need to do it on the same day or days. Mm. And uh, that was the other thing. The blue-collar guys who really run our supply chain – recognized instinctively because they're the ones with their hands and our products and our supply chain that a six hour, you know, walkout was not enough. So I don't know who started that little flyer that went on the internet that said, we're going to do a walkout on the third, but they were like, yeah, one, one day is not enough. And I'm mm -hmm. like, no, it's, it's not enough. So they had wanted to do the week of November 8th through the 11th um, in part because it gave them time to plan and get on the same page with all the other people who were moving in the same direction, but also in part because they knew that it was two weeks before Thanksgiving and Black Friday. And um, it was very much a supply chain move. And they said, you know, we're not we're not wanting to do this. We've supported the American economy and this economy runs on our backs and we know it. Yeah. But if they think they're going to bankrupt us and take food off of our kids table right before Christmas, we'll bankrupt them first. We'll bring the damn economy to its knees and, and you know, <laughs> play. But if Biden wants to play a ch game of chicken, he's he's got it. Yeah. So yeah. we did. And, uh, you know, Epoch Times on November 7th, Sunday, right before uh, the Monday walkout, they dropped an article saying that they had talked to employees at Raytheon, Honeywell, uh, Thomson Reuters. Thomson Reuters makes Intel profiles. Uh, on the bad guys that we track down on the on the human trafficking front and runs those profiles out to 7,500 world banks. Like these are humongous companies, Honeywell. I mean, they're they're the electronics and background of a lot of our component parts that make our thermometers run and our HVACs run and our, you know, I mean, just, you know, Verizon, Telecom, we had lots of really upset employees that had indicated and went on record. I was shocked. These employees gave their names. They weren't even reporting anonymously. They told the reporter um, at Epoch Times, you can use my name. Say I've been a systems engineer at Blank Company for 22 years and, and, uh, and, they, and they walked out. And nobody really knew they walked out because when you're a pilot and you stick out, they, they're not allowed to strike, which is why you keep seeing them get the Fauci flu every so often because um, they, they can't technically strike unless they've exhausted their collective bargaining union type remedies. So instead, mm -hmm. they keep getting the flu. 
you know, a bunch of pilots get the flu on the same day and leave hundreds and hundreds of passengers stranded at LAX or Phoenix or Dallas, you're going to hear about it because the passengers are standing in the terminal screaming bloody murder and lighting up social media. When a bunch of truckers decide to just not go to work for a couple of days, um, you don't hear about it so much. And rail, rail, I don't know if you know this, Amy, but rail is in the same boat. So rail and air are prohibited by law from striking unless certain preconditions have been met. And the reason for that was in the middle of last century, Congress realized that it was so catastrophically devastating to the economy when those guys went on strike that they said, you can't. You know, if you're having a 10 cent pay raise dispute with your, you know, railway or your airline, go work it out nicely in the sandbox using collective bargaining remedies. Don't bring the entire economy to its knees over the fact that you can't get on the same page about a 10 cent, you know, pay, pay dispute. And these guys understand that, you know, the pilots, the rail guys, they're, they're good hearted guys. They're blue collar workers. They go to church on Sunday. They put money in the plate. They pay their mortgage, put their kids through college. They're like, we don't want to do this. Um, but they also recognize this was a cat of a different color. You know, Biden had mandated what is in many cases a kill shot. We've got tens of thousands of deaths right now, and that's with a 99% underreporting, according to a Harvard study on the vaccine adverse events um, system. So if you multiply the 28 or 30, I haven't looked recently, thousand deaths times 100%, you, you realize exactly how many people are actually dead and dying. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and the blue collar boys know it. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't want any part of the kill shot. They know it. <laughs> Because, you know, yeah. people who and that's the thing, people who make things in the middle of the country and people who work really hard that get ignored but and don't need the attention, that is yeah. what's changing this whole thing. And I see yeah. so the question that I'm asking everyone in this series is what I see as a mass hypnosis. It's like people are just sleeping. And one of the things that fascinates me about the interviews that I've listened to with you is that human trafficking is is touches so many different businesses and subtle areas of our society and it's so yeah. hidden and the the hidden nature of that has caused this hidden awareness of the truth with this mass hypnosis you know and i yeah. think like there's something so could you speak to decongesting the, the mass hypnosis around what you've seen, like I heard you tell Mel Kay once that these kids, like young women getting paid off to stay in the, in the negative cycle of it. And it's like, well, you just saw right through it and we're like, well, yeah, I mean, she, she got paid to, to go back out there and like that kind of stuff. And, and people actually take things at face value where they need to be looking at how harmful this is and how much it's contributing to the mass hypnosis now. So can you, does that make sense? Can you speak to that? Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think until you break the demand cycle and the poverty cycle, certainly in third world countries where I work, you're not going to really change child sex slavery and human trafficking. It is the second largest and fastest growing criminal economy in the world behind drugs. And it's soon to topple drugs and take the top spot in terms of criminal economies for the simple reason that there's more profit in selling a seven-year-old to a sex buyer than there is in selling cocaine to an addict. So if I sell you cocaine tonight, Amy, hypothetically, which I wouldn't, but say I did, and you just 
decide you like it and you come back to me for more Coke tomorrow, I need to go back to my guy and buy more product in order to sell it to you, the end user. And that means I need to take a part of the pile of money you gave me last night and go chip it out to my supplier to buy more product. And it eats into the, of, of the amount of money I gross, you know, if I make a hundred dollars one night, 30 bucks or whatever is going to go back into buying more product the next day. It's not all profit. If I sell you in contrast, a seven-year-old for sex, and the person decides they like it and they come back the next night. Think, think this through with me. I don't need to go buy another girl to sell another girl. All I need to do is rent the same child to you uh, over and over and over again until she dies by way of John or pimp or AIDS or whatever violent ends or, or uh, medical, you know, bad juju comes her way in terms of, you know, STDs or, or AIDS until she dies. And the death sentence for these kids, it's about seven years from the time the girl is first turned out for commercial sexual purposes here in America. That's an FBI stat. Um, so if the average age in America is 12 years old, that girls are turned out, you add 12 to seven, you get the fact that they're dead or dying by the time they're 19. Um, the, the situation is much, much worse in Asia and Southeast Asia, places where I work, because the girls are being turned out at, you know, five or seven or two years old. And then um, they're, they're horrible deaths. It's, it's just oh, so yeah. awful. I mean, they're, it's like they're dying. Have, the, yeah. And their deaths help hide it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a sad state of affairs. But here's the thing. Uh, if nobody were buying children for sex, nobody would be selling children for sex. I, as much as you want to demonize the pimp or the child sex trafficker who's selling a seven-year-old to a pedophile, uh, got news for you. If there were no pedophiles lined up, he'd be selling cocaine yep. <laughs> or illegal weapons or whatever else is you know, in his tr bag of tricks. And, and um, I want to combine with this the reality that Facebook has posts about how we need to develop compassion for pedophiles. So I want everybody oh, yeah. to take that in, too. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, it's they're, they're maps, if you haven't heard, minor attracted people, and they're looking to, you know, be, be recognized as a, not as a disorder, but just a thing, you know. And I wonder um, if big tech elites that participate in this disgusting darkness have a hand in those posts. Hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, good question. Well, it's it's really frightening. You know, they did a study down in Georgia a few years back and they tried to get a grip on who was actually online purchasing children for sex in America. And they gave the buyer a graduated series of warnings. So as he started his transaction, they were like, hey, we're not sure we have any adults over the age of 18 in stock for you tonight. And then if he proceeded with the transaction, it was the next one was, hey, you might be getting a minor. And then if he proceeded past that point, the final warning was dude yo <laughs> you're buying a kid for sex and that's not legal and the question was what percent would continue with the transaction and it was something like 49 or 50 percent and no problem continuing to buy a person for sexual purposes online in in georgia in atlanta um even knowing full well that that child was a minor and strikingly when they did the analysis um in equal amount, 49 or 50% of these guys were upper middle class and above. They were not from the wrong side of the tracks. On the contrary, they were from the right side of the tracks, white, 2.3 kids, picket fence, dog at home, and a wife who was probably out of town at a work conference, and the kids were down the street for a slumber party, and so that guy decided he's going to order a Domino's pizza and a child for sex because it's just that easy to do now with the advent of technology and cell phones. So because of that, you have very... 
um, high-profile, high-influence people who maybe in times past never would have gotten in their car and driven to the wrong side of the tracks and solicited for sex, you know, in Compton, right, California, but because now all they have to do is wait for the wife to go out of town and queue up their phone like they would, you know, ordering a pizza. It's made it very, very easy, very safe, um, comparatively safe. They don't need to go risk being busted, you know, so much on the wrong side of town. So you've got this demand, and this demand permeates all levels of society, all socioeconomic areas, and um, all different types of folks, from politicians to CEOs. And, you know, when my husband and I were first moving into the area we live in, the um, Megan's Law was coming out where they identified which sexual predators were in your radius, you know, with Mm -hmm. different little red dots on the map. And we put in our, you know, where we lived and, and, um, we live in a, in a nicer area on, on one side of a freeway and on the other side of the freeway, um, is a not as nice area. And my husband looked at the map that came up and he's like, you know, there's all these red dots on the, on the other side of the freeway. Right. And he goes, Oh, look, you know, there's, there's hardly any dots on this side. And as you get up into the Hills, there's no dots. And he like breathed a sigh of relief. And I looked at him and I laughed and I go, Oh, and you think that means there's not sexual predators in our neighborhood? I'm like, honey, all that freaking means is they're judges, lawyers, and cops, and they're not arresting and prosecuting themselves. That's all that means. Don't think for a second that the bad guys are just living over there. They're everywhere. Wow. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, and you've got judges involved in it. You've got politicians. I mean, they bust these people. We had a sting here in um, in a local, you know, I'm part of the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force, and the local PDs, police departments are part of that, Huntington, Anaheim. One of the things they did a couple of years ago, one of the cops who was involved in it ended up arresting his own brother. Like, I, you know, it's just, you can't make this up. So, so that's the problem. And when you have sex with children, you have created perfect blackmail material for China, for Russia, for Scientists. Korea, for anybody, big tech, anybody who wants to come along and blackmail you and control you, big pharma. They now all they need to do is find out that you've done that and uh, you're going to be their boy because unless you really want pictures of, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop, you and seven year olds coming out, you're going to do what they say, or at least most people do what they say. Mm-hmm. So we really need to clean up the poverty problem in Asia because the reason mothers are selling their children uh, to brothels is because if they don't, those children will die of starvation. So as much as you want to demonize the parents and demonize the traffickers, recognize that they're solving a problem. And by the way, if you were born in Laos and you had eight children and no husband and the choice was watching all eight of your children starve or selling the eldest one to a brothel, you might actually do that too. I'm not saying you would, but far be it from us sitting in a first world country to pass judgment on situations we can't even begin to think with the realities of. So, wow. so we have to solve the poverty problem because it's a driver for the pro, you know, for the for the child um, sex trafficking, and we also need to solve the demand problem because as long as we have men buying children for sex, you're going to have bad politicians who can be controlled by uh, bad evil interests for their for their you know world domination plans, which is what we're seeing. And in answer to your question of math, hypnosis and how we break out of that people need to go google stanley milgram or duck they duck go be, uh, yeah yeah sorry <laughs> you need to duck duck go actually stanley milgram still pops up on google but you know he was the the yale psychology professor in the 60s who wanted to see if the holocaust was the result of a one-off confluence of variables that would never again happen 
or if maybe there was something inside of us that predisposed us to being overly obedient when we shouldn't be. And so he designed this memory experiment. That's how he built it out. Had people like you and me, regular Joes coming in off the street, paired them up in groups of two to memorize arbitrary word pairings. So when I said car, you were supposed to say tree. And then he separated us into separate rooms, and I would say car, and you were supposed to say tree, and I couldn't see you. We were in separate rooms, so I could hear you. I had a microphone and a, you know, like two-way radio, whatever, uh, phone system. And when you gave me a wrong answer, I was supposed to push a button on the wall that was a switch that gave you an electrical shock. You had been wired with electrodes and went from like, I don't know you know, nine volts all the way up to 450, that's that's a fatal dose. And for every wrong answer you gave me, Amy, I was supposed to flip a higher switch that gave you a higher voltage shock. Um, and, you know, most of the way through, because I was getting, unbeknownst to me, nobody was being actually hurt in the other room, I was hearing pre-recorded correct and incorrect answers and also pre-recorded sounds of pain and you objecting as I zapped you with successful, successively higher voltages. Um, and, you know, eventually the guy's begging and they're like, oh, man, that, that one nearly killed me. I can feel my heart skipping beats. If you keep zapping me with these higher doses, you're going to cause me to have a heart attack. And the guy who was actually being studied for his obedience level, not his ability to memorize word pairs, would turn to the confederate, right, of the experiment guy and say to the doctor in the white lab coat with the name Dr. So-and-so on his lapel, hey, buddy, I'm not comfortable continuing to shock my neighbor over there because they got a wrong answer on a test I'm giving him. And the instructor, the experimenter, was supposed to just say a few simple words back, you have to continue. You must continue. Not hold the gun to the guy's head, not lock the door and bar his exit, but just you got to continue. And the question was what percent of Americans would kill their freaking neighbor over a wrong answer on a memory quiz just because a person in a position of authority in a white lab coat said they had to. And when they ran this experiment, they found out that 65.6% of Americans would kill their neighbor over a wrong damn answer on a memory quiz. Two out of three people will be so obedient and unquestioning of authority that despite the fact that they've never had so much as a flipping parking ticket, they are your PTA president, they are your janitor, they are your freaking accountant, they're your average normal guy walking down the street who's a good-hearted human being on a normal day, they will nuke their neighbor. And that is how Hitler did what he did. Hitler was one bad man with one bad plan. If Germany had just stood up and said, no, we're not doing this, it would have been game over. So the primary thing that people need to understand is you don't know your own blind spots. You don't know, unless you've studied neurobiology, that you are wired to actually be obedient and that in Cro-Magnon era, that was a life-saving thing when your leader said, run away from the woolly mammoth or the you know saber-toothed tiger or whatever, that saved your life. But now when you follow unquestioningly bad orders from bad leaders, that can actually kill you or kill your neighbor if you're in a genocidal environment. So we need to question authority. We need to shock ourselves out of our complacency and actually start duplicating the data that's in the real world. And one of the primary ways to do that is to get the word out like we're doing here. But the other way to do it is to shock the system of Americans. So when those blue collar boys walked out two weeks ago, And everybody took a loss because mainstream media wasn't covering it. And I said, hold the line and bide the time. This is not an overnight move. This is a domino move. You got to give it a minute. I am here to tell you, I am back at Sprouts right now because two days ago when I came grocery shopping, there were no plastic baggies to put my veggies in. And there was one soggy head of broccoli and two soggy heads of celery. The supply chain is breaking and the proof is in the pudding. Two days ago, the FTC ordered Amazon Kroger Walmart, Tyson Foods, Kraft Heinz, you name it. They said, you need to give us data 
as to why your shelves are bare and your prices are sky high. And I laughed when I read that. I'm like, oh, they need to look in their own backyard. Mm-hmm. Biden broke the supply chain when he told the blue collar workers, we're going to put you out of a job unless you get a kill shot. And they said, hell no, you're not. We're going to go play a game of chicken with you and we're going to walk off the job for four days. Well, we still have a job. Mm-hmm. And if you question for a second the efficacy of their move, go Google it up, um, or you can look at my Facebook feed. I'm Lee Dundas, L-E-I-G-H-D-U-N-D-A-S on Facebook. Go look at my news feed for the last two days. I posted every single court ruling we've gotten, along with the FTC's order to all of the big giants to, to pony up the documents to explain why our supply chain's broken. Um, and I'm here to tell you that the first court rulings that were starting to swing in our favor came the day after there was a four-day nationwide strike. There was nobody working the rail yards. They were 85 to 90% missing employees at rail, freight rail depots. Freight rail in our country is divided between BNSF on the eastern seaboard and Union Pacific on the western seaboard. And I have people living within a mile of the rail tracks out here in California who said there were no freight train horns going and no freight trains moving from midnight of Sunday on through that week. And nobody noticed that week, but I'm telling you, they're noticing now. And the courts noticed. And they went, oh, dear, the court of public opinion has now swung against Biden. And now we have cover fire being laid down for us. Now we're going to actually start doing what we should have been doing all along and saying this is salaciously unconstitutional. So you had the Fifth Circuit after four days of striking, November 8th through the 11th, the Fifth Circuit on Friday the 12th issued a great ruling saying Biden's vax mandate is all kinds of unconstitutional and unlawful being done through OSHA the way they did it. And then you had the Second Circuit Court of Appeals come out two days ago and say New York educators have a right to a religious exemption. You can't just put them on unpaid leave and tell them they're basically fired without pay, even though they're still on the books, um, and deny them religious exemptions. And then also in the last few days, We saw a ruling, I think yesterday, three different states brought by the Kentucky AG, Ohio, and somebody else, I'm forgetting which other state was involved. The federal contractor mandate is now paused. We have CMS, Medicaid, Medicare workers. That was paused in 10 states earlier this week. I am here to tell you, I don't believe for a hot second. Any of those rulings would have happened if the court of public opinion had not started making itself known two weeks ago. Mm. Courts of law always follow courts of public opinion. So in order to wake up the masses, we need to continue to educate and communicate. But it doesn't hurt when grandma in Iowa goes to go shopping and goes, huh, why does it look like a bombed out 7-Eleven in Laos where Lee works (laughs) or Cambodia? Why is there no food on my shelf? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That makes them start doing research. And then you realize, oh, wow, we're a for-profit country. We have a capitalist society. We're not North Korea yet. And when Biden says he's going to punish the workers, the the workers have the, the trump card. They can just walk off the job. And I am here to tell you, no single employer is going to keep their doors open with 50% of their workforce going, going gone. And often you're getting lied to. These employee work groups that were pissed off were anywhere 30 to 50 to 73% unvaccinated, Amy. When they're out there saying we're a majority vaccinated, they're just lying through their teeth. The workers know how many are vaccinated. They know they're in the silent majority, but they're not so silent anymore. And that's what we need is more people speaking up. Yep. And, you know, just to validate the uh, the study that you talked about, that very scary study, and you talked about that in Utah. And yeah. I was walking, had the pleasure of walking with uh, Dr. Lee Merritt at HFFH in Kansas City with and Dr. Northrup. And Dr. Northrup and I were both sort of like, we're like examples of what you were saying. And I consider myself having not bought an, any of this from the beginning. And yet we were walking along and Chris and I were like, yeah, we were like, that was a scary talk. 
And I said, yeah, I was actually really scared. And Lee Merritt said, good, good. You know, and she's the, the, um, was in the yep. service as a surgeon. She said, you need to be scared. Everybody yeah. needs to be shocked and scared. And she yep. wouldn't get, you know, she wouldn't give us a moment of being like, ah. and it stuck with me. It took me yeah. a while. I had to, it was like, I, I relived listening to you in person too. And so I really want to urge any, anyone listening you know, the resistance is okay. Be with it though. I mean, this whole thing, the, the lack of willingness to be in discomfort led us to this. We are so also allergic to discomfort. And it's like, this is the kind of discomfort that we need to actually sit and listen to and allow ourselves to be shocked and allow ourselves to be free yep. because yeah. This is big and it's now, you know? Yeah. If you think of this as a real war, and of course it's not because there's no bombs going off, but it is very much a war notwithstanding that, you know, the bombs going off serve a purpose. And that is, you know, you're sitting there having dinner, you're thinking business as usual, everything's fine and dandy. And then a bomb goes off that, that puts you in fear. It also springs you into action. Mm -hmm. Fear is sort of paralyzing and look around and take stock of what's going on. But the next response is usually action and anger. And there's a lot of energy in action and anger versus complacency or apathy. Um, and the trick is to really do your homework, get upset. You have a right to be upset. This is these are scary times, this is scary stuff. And then channel that into productive productive action, getting more educated. I mean, the new bullets are information. You're not gonna survive a planetary-wide genocide. Um without information wow. and so you need to be tuned in this is a planetary wide genocide yeah. no, and by the way nobody's coming to our rescue this time i really don't believe that nobody is going to be coming to our rescue like churchill and fdr did at the end of world war ii the reason we're facing a second holocaust right now is because we didn't learn the lesson fully the first time around um and i believe the planet god some combination of everything our just own evolution as a species wants us to figure out that um that this time we need to save ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. this time it's really on us. So instead of waiting for the knight in shining armor to come running to our rescue, we're going to save ourselves. And the beauty of the last year and a half is none of these old entrenched structures, like we've been talking about with the child sex trafficking and the bot politicians, none of these in times of peace and, and relative good fortune and complacency we're going to be uprooted, you know, with Ma and Pa sitting transfixed and hypnotized in front of their TV screen watching Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy every night or the, the boob tube with the news, um, the fake news. They didn't know it was fake news, but um, but we're waking up. I mean, CNN could not break a million viewers on a single one of their programs last month. I, I heard million. their viewership is around 120,000. Yeah, they're they're dying because everybody has switched to alt news. And but none of these people, myself included, I mean, even the people who were already tuned into to not listening, I never listened to TV or radio or newspapers because I knew it was BS most of the time. But even all of us weren't as ingrained in the, the other venues and reading Epoch Times, as it were, as we are now and looking mm -hmm. for true sources of data. And um and as this time of upheaval comes, it's going to act like an earthquake. It's going to uproot these entrenched systems, which are heavily evil and heavily bought and paid for. And uh, and it gives us a chance to rebuild a better structure. So oftentimes you see times of tyranny, like World War II and the Third Reich, followed by periods of relative prosperity and growth. I mean, the Nuremberg trials 
sort of marked the end of the Third Reich, where we put to death the people who experimented on children and who just goose-stepped along with Hitler and executed very bad plans, um, shoved people into ovens. And then we ended up with the Nuremberg Code, which basically said, thou shalt not ever medically experiment on people without their true informed consent again. We seem to have forgotten that this year. But um, yeah. but again, I mean, more people have said the word Nuremberg Code and vaccine this year than probably the whole rest of the world combined in the last 30 years. So. Mm. What is that doing? It's focusing the the human species attention on these plans, on these problems, and it's allowing us a chance to sort of confront the evil and the darkness, which couldn't be seen because it was so dark before, and shine a light on it and fix it. So I am very, very um, optimistic about how this, this is going to go. You know, if you look at the fact that you and I are having a conversation right now, it's proof positive that the human race has never quite, despite being hell-bent on tyranny in times past, eradicated itself. It's always stepped back from that cliff and come out bigger and brighter and stronger and um that's just how human beings roll they're fundamentally good people the, mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter if you're in Laos or cambodia or southern california or utah they were fundamentally good people um and the fundamentally good people usually get in the game at some point and say enough is enough we're not doing this nonsense anymore it's it's fatal it's bad it's mean um to certain groups or all groups and we're gonna we're gonna raise up goodness and good virtues and freedom and truth and and god and those are who wins god wins freedom wins truth wins and we just need to remember that mm -hmm. but i gotta tell you our time of toil and hard work and crazy scary stuff is going to be much foreshortened the quicker we get in the game yes your odds are hugely favorable the earlier you get in the game yes neutrality only ever helps the oppressor not the oppressed desmond tutu said it well um you gotta get in the game you gotta get in the game if you think you're gonna wait until you're in the position of, you know, the the Jew in Nazi Germany who's getting herded onto a cattle car to Auschwitz and now you're going to fight. If you're going to wait until you're Australia and the, you know, you're the Aboriginal person being dragged out of the bush right now by your by your Australian military or the First Nations people north of Alberta in Canada who are being dragged out of the woods right now and forcibly detained and vaccinated. If you think that's the line in the sand, at which point you're going to go, oh, this really is a genocide and I'm going to fight then. Uh, let me tell you, when you're running for your life with a shirt on your back and no freaking money and no resources that's not the time to get in the game yep. get in the game now while you still have access to your bank account while you still have a job while your kids still has food on the table and fight now because your odds of winning are much improved if you fight now <laughs> absolutely and you know i i made a drew a comparison to our city council and had people respond about how offensive i was and it's like wow that's how they're keeping people out of the game by saying that my comparisons to crossing the line of evil and trying to control someone else and put a, a substance in their body comparing that to the holocaust yeah. you know it's like it's so sick and so i also want to plea make a plea to my listeners to just realize that if you are being goaded into feeling you know like you're wrong because you were offensive like if you think that's offensive how about what yeah. we just described yeah yeah you know and that's the other thing you just you got to grow a, th a thicker skin. And mm -hmm. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times WAPO or LA Times has taken me to task above the fold on a Sunday morning and called me called me a Nazi for calling out our governor as a Nazi. And I'm like, okay, so we first of all, we all need to remember that Nazi Germany did not start <laughs> with Hitler baking people in ovens. That's how it ended. Yes. There was a 10-year ramp up minimum yes. before he Thank got to you. baking people in ovens. So if you tell me that Newsom's not baking people in ovens and therefore my analogy is wrong, uh, let's, let's compare 
stats in 10 years because exactly. that's the relevant time period. As for the beginning of the process, it's functionally identical. And um, by the way, there were five governors who put COVID positive people in the little old age homes with people who had no immune system because they're 103 years old and they're a World War II vet and, you know, they're on three different types of chemo. And uh, if yeah, and I don't think COVID is all that in a bag of chips. I think it's just another flu, basically, in terms of its death rate. But you don't put anybody who's sick in with the old guy who's taking three different types of chemo because he's going to die. He has no immune system. And what did Cuomo do? What did Governor Newsom did? Yeah. That's what they did. They should be indicted and charged and prosecuted and arrested and made to serve time in jail for crimes against humanity. Absolutely. A crime against humanity is a is a an action taken on a widespread basis during times of peace that targets a certain class and and exterminates them, essentially, or, you know, you know, causes mass rape or some other equally almost bad atrocity to occur to this group. And what is this? If not that you want to lie, you, you want to pretend to be a Democrat and say you're fighting for the little guy. You honor the little guy. You honor the vulnerable classes. I'm sorry. What about our military veterans who are largely in old age homes that you just killed by putting COVID? positive patients in with them. Yeah. Cuomo and Newsom should be standing trial. Kate Brown for freaking mandating masks that took a 16-year-old girl and made her pass out and brought her to cardiac standstill, which is a known side effect of hypoxia on the locker room floor up in Oregon. And that woman and her health department supervisor and the principal and the coaches are walking away after having to do seven solid minutes of CPR on this girl because she had no respiration and no heartbeat. Every single person who bought off on that bad plan should be standing trial for attempted second-degree murder. It's second-degree murder when you don't intend to kill somebody, but you kill them anybody anyway, and you should have known better because, you know, you drove drunk and you killed a three-year-old by jumping your car up onto the sidewalk. Maybe you didn't intend to kill a three-year-old, but you still did. That's called murder, too. If you happen to bring the kid back from death, that's attempted murder, too. And I am sorry. I'm not, you know, I'm not licensed to practice in some of these states where these kids have gone down from the mask mandate. But if I were, if I were a cop up in Kate Brown's region, if I were a prosecutor up there, I can tell you what I'd be doing and I wouldn't be sitting on my hands. That's that's for darn sure right yeah. now. And that's what needs to start happening. If these people were actually held to account, that's when the that's when the tune starts to change. You know, Nazi Germany stopped being Nazi Germany when we started arresting people and putting them on trial and then putting them to death. That's just God's honest truth. Yeah. And uh, I don't think this is going to end any differently. But again, our pain is going to be lessened to the extent we can get to that point quicker. And that requires the participation of the people. Um, so my final words, and then I got to run, are really, you're the you're the leaders you've been waiting for. Everybody's like, oh, but you're a lawyer, Lee. I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? I haven't done a darn thing that's legal in nature in the last 18 months. I've been on a bullhorn standing outside my county hall building. And anybody who's got vocal cords can do that from five years old to 105 years old. This is not a lawyer game. This is not. Uh, and oh, really quick, in case anyone wants to twist that, it, it is legal for you to be on that bullhorn. What she meant is she hasn't been practicing law in the way that she used yes, to. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm legal as in uh, of the law, not like illegal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm always ever... listening for how they can, what they're yes, going to do, you know, to twist yeah. it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's not a law based move. I guess I should have said thank you for pointing that out. You know, <laughs> to, to jump on a bullhorn. That's a anybody who's an American citizen with a first amendment right can go, you know, stand on public property and, and make your and make your make your position known. And we need to do that. Um, when we did that with 2000 people outside the board of supervisors meeting in Orange County, California, the, the five supervisors were huddled up on the fourth floor. They looked down, they saw a sea of people. We had thousands of people there and they literally said on the record, we can't continue 
to do this because of the disruption it poses to the meetings. I'm sorry, it's not a disruption that you've so pissed off your entire populace that the entire populace is standing you know, inside your boardroom right now. But if you want to call it a disruption and then back the hell off your bad plan, that's fine by me. Yes. And that's exactly what we did. And that's exactly what needs to keep happening. That's right. um, people, people need to understand that the masks create hypoxia and you put a little kid running around a basketball court in that, you're asking your kid to have a heart attack and die. Um, this is not, this is a fiction that can turn fatal. Uh, and all of the other stuff we're doing is right there in the same, in the same bailiwick. I mean, in, in, in the same wheelhouse, like you've got vaccines that are not vaccines. They're a death shot. People need to understand they're not FDA approved. The only thing that is FDA approved isn't available in this country. And even if it were FDA approved, give it a minute, guys. I mean, have you ever heard of thalidomide? You ever heard of Agent Orange? You ever heard of glyphosate? Plenty of times our government said, oh, this thing is safe for use. And then, oops, sorry, babies are born without arms and fingers sticking out of their shoulder socket. Like, yeah. why would you want to be medically experimenting on your child? Give it a minute. Give it a minute for yourself. Give it a minute for your husband. Give it a um, minute. And keep looking at the 99.98 survival rate for kids. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. That. Yeah. You're, yeah. As of last year on the CDC's website, kids had a hundred percent uh, survival rate against COVID. So you're injecting them with a shot that is still experimental. They are now the guinea pig for it. Uh, they couldn't get it through the animal trials because every single ferret in the trial died. And yep. every time they did the trials over the last 30 years with coronavirus vaccines, and now your kid is the new guinea pig and you're injecting him with something that has known. I mean, CDC came out last week and said, we have a 40 times greater risk of myocarditis, uh, heart swelling in boys and, and heart muscle death in boys age 16 to 17 than we expected, not as against the baseline, which is probably zero in young, healthy men. Yeah. Um, against what we expected, which told me two things. Uh, first of all, this was worse than they expected. And second of all, they knew it was bad. They should be tried oh, right now for totally. crimes against humanity. They knew it was going to create myocarditis. They came out and said more than we expected of myocarditis. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, and, and what is that translating to? Well, you get a myocarditis diagnosis. You've got a 25% death rate in the first two years. And according to some scientists, a 56% death rate in five years. If this isn't a genocide against our children, I don't know what is. But, again, I mean, caution is the watchword when it comes to new products. Uh, even if you're not already skeptical of the COVID vaccine, you should become skeptical. Do your research research, start re Googling up how our brains are wired, Stanley Milgram, Stanford Prison Riot, go get some data and recognize we're all hardwired to be obedient. And that particular tendency is not your friend in a genocide or a tyrannical situation. It will be the kiss of death. And so don't go there. Be the one who, you know, does not goose up along with Hitler this century. Be the one who stands up, screams your truth from the rooftop. Who cares if they castigate you for it? Who cares if they call you a Nazi for calling somebody else a Nazi? Um, you know, my, my governor changed 400 laws in six months. It took Hitler six years to change 400 laws. Wow. So when people are like, oh, Newsom's not like Hitler, I'm like, darn right. He's moving 12 times faster than Hitler. Wow. I, Tell this me again, time I'm a Nazi been... for calling Newsom a Nazi. <laughs> right. I mean, this this whole time I've just been sitting here going, I'm so glad you're in Southern California. I'm so glad. And I've been saying that for 18 months. I am. Thank you so much. And. I can, yeah. I just want to emphasize with everyone that this is an absolutely walk. Obviously everyone knows that it's that you walk your talk and I can absolutely validate that having met you in Utah. And I just, I, you're a purifying fire of force, the force of nature. Oh, thank you, my dear. Well, it's a pleasure, um, to fight. You know, I was born, uh, thinking that, um, 
I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was nature or nurture, but it's injustice has always bothered me. And I've always been a believer in that Martin Luther King Jr. statement about how injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Um, the truth is that, and if it's not your job this week and it's not your kid who had a side effect, you're playing Russian roulette. It'll be you next week. Mm. And you really, really need to uh, get in the fight earlier rather than later. So uh, stand up for what's good and right so that we can still live in the America we know. And I will sign off, my dear. And um, thank you catch so you, much. Catch you on the next one. Yeah. Have a good one. And uh, Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Take care. Bye, Amy. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Lee. We are home and we're together. I am home and I'm with you. That's a feeling that you just can't fake when you know the truth. Day and night, make you wait down a new road. A thousand miles can fly by if we go slow. Shooting star can be your guide. We feel alive We are home and we're together I am home and I'm with you That's a feeling that you just can't fake When you know the truth We are home and we're together I am home and I'm with you That's a feeling that you just can't Ocean waves 